Welcome to ACE Audio, the podcast that supports, educates, informs, and motivates manual therapists around the world. All right, welcome everyone. Thanks for joining us today. We are going to talk about uh, an interesting topic. Well, I think it's interesting because it relates to just about everything we do in clinical practice. All of the presentations that walk in the door, especially if you're work, working in a musculoskeletal type um, setting, pretty much everyone that walks in the door has got some kind of presentation that relates to tissue capacity. So when we're talking about tissue capacity, we're talking about the ability for various different tissues of the body to withstand stress and load and then be able to manage that stress and load and not get injured. Bo, what's your initial thoughts around this and what, what do we need to know about tissue capacity? Well, I think first of all, we've got to understand that different tissues in our body. We've, we've got um, muscle, bone, uh, ligament, connective tissue, neural structures, joint capsules. Um, so there's various different tissues in our body that will respond um, to different amounts of load. Uh, and when you think about um, a lot of the times that load just gets, well, or pain or injuries t- tend to look at just the, the muscular component. Um, so I think that's interesting, first of all, that we need to understand the different types of tissue and how they will individually respond to different amounts of load. Um, so I think that's, that's a, a good place to start. Um, often when people come into to clinical practice, we tend to focus a lot on the muscular component. Um, and when we look at load, we've got overload, we've got underload. Uh, and typically when someone comes in, it's usually because I've been doing something uh, which has caused me to feel this type of symptom. Um, and so appreciating that, I think, is is key to start with. Um, And when we look at load modification, um, you know, certain tissues may be overloaded or underloaded. And then when we apply a a certain amount of load or a dosage of load to to that particular tissue, that could quite easily lead to, to overload. So I think it's really important to understand the current capacity of, of the person in front of you um and then you know working with that yeah and i think that's a good point you made there about someone walks in the door into your clinical practice and says i've got this pain because i've been doing this thing you know it's and it's that's that's directly related to the tissue capacity for that person you know someone will come in and say my neck and shoulders are killing me i was on the weekend i was painting the ceiling you know the roller brush and now my, my neck and shoulders are killing me and you go right it's because of that action you know obviously it's arms overhead for all that time has made your shoulder sore but there are tens of thousands of painters around our country every day painting ceilings with roller brushes. And I can guarantee not all of them are coming with the same problem because they've developed tissue capacity to deal with that. And so we often, I think, jump to this conclusion and say, well, this movement, this this movement pattern, this posture, this positioning of your body is the cause of the pain. But really it's not the movement, you know, the action, the physical activity is not the problem. It's your body's ability to, to undertake that movement, that physical activity and withstand that load. Yeah, it's just, it's quite simple when we look at it that way is too much too soon. What's your previous exercise history? Um, Have you gradually built up to be able to withstand that type of exercise or or load placed on that that tissue? Um, So, you know, and there's various different factors that that come into that. It could be their exercise history, their age, 
um, genetic factors, hormonal factors, um, previous injury, a level of stress, level of sleep, all of this, these factors that can contribute to um, someone being overloaded. You know, if, they're, if we're applying a, a stimulus and they're not having adequate time to recover and adapt to, to that stimulus, then quite easily that can lead to, to overload. Whereas if we're applying a stimulus that we have a, a, an adequate period of, of recovery, sleep, range of different other factors, nutrition, that we allow that, um, that progressive overload and adaptation. So our body will respond to, to that given stimulus. Anyone that's ever walked into a gym would know this, right, firsthand, but we don't, don't always equate what happens in an exercise setting with what happens in our real life. When essentially it's the same thing, just different levels of intensity. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, you go to a gym the first day, you're all keen to get in there and, and give it a go. And then you can't move for a week. And then you think, ah, oh, that was way too painful. I'm not going back to the gym because <laughs> it's just too much too soon. Whereas if you start with, you know, very small dosage and then, you know, have adequate rest, allow a day or two and and go back and and that little bit more so that's progressive overload and and that is the same when we look at um just general presentations that come in with your non-specific low back pain that we say well it's because you're sitting well sitting's not the the worst thing in the world you know it's a part of our life but we've got to be adapted and conditioned to um to be able to withstand the, the period that we, we sit down for, you know, and that comes back to a, a tissue uh, capacity because if you've got uh, a deconditioned part of your body and then you're progressively applying a stimulus to it that's leading to more decondition or, or even um, less loading, um, then you'll progressively respond and adapt to that. Um, so that can really, you can see how that can, can lead to sensitization, that deconditioning, that's sort of this, um, this, this pain cycle that, that patients can tend to, to go through. Yeah, and that, look, that probably brings us to a hot topic that comes up in, in discussion, which is posture, right? Now, posture is one of those things that our opinions on posture and its, import, its importance and its role in, in generating and precipitating pain has changed. Our opinions changed over time because it used to be we have to work on our posture. We, have, I've met therapists who that all they focus on is improving people's posture, and now we understand that the, the whole concept is flawed, right? Right, because everybody holds different positions in their body. Not everyone has pain though if they move out of that range. And so, but at the same time, you'll have you know client walk in the door and they'll say, oh, "Look, every time I go and do gardening and I'm kind of bent over on my knees over the garden." I wake up the next day and my back's killing me. Another person comes and says, I spend my entire day in the veggie garden, you know, bent over, hunching over the garden, and I get up the next day and I feel great. That, that's my form of exercise, right? So it's not the movement. It's not the posture that's the problem. It's like we're saying, it's the, the tissue capacity. And so what's the, what's the thing then? How do we get somebody who's in, incapable of doing that position, holding that position for periods of time to make them capable of it? Do we just say, look, just tough it out, push through the pain or is there another way do you think oh do you know that's it's it's a really good point uh, and i'm sort of thinking along the lines of um you know back to that gym example if you held held a weight 
let's say you sit sit down for eight hours a day and you've got shoulder pain. Um, well, if you did the same thing, you held a weight for eight hours a day and then you didn't give yourself enough time to recover, you had stress associated with work, you had lifestyle factors that were associated, poor nutritional factors, you know, you would, uh, you would get to a point where that tissue is becoming overloaded. All right, then you start to have more sensitization, increase in these inflammatory chemicals. Um, so you're not having the appropriate recovery. Now, you know, it might sound counterintuitive to think, well, if you're having pain from uh, muscular-based pain, tissue-based pain from, from sitting or, or doing a certain activity, it sounds sort of counterintuitive to say, well, we need to actually put more load through it and exercise it. Well, I think, yeah, we, we need to look at um, applying a stimulus with providing adequate recovery to counteract what they're doing or allow that tissue to now be able to withstand the load that's being placed upon it. Yeah, you're right. So it's a gradual exposure type thing. I Look, I use myself as a bit of a case study in this, and I think it's a good example to be able to, to give to patients as well. So as you may know, like I've, I've had some low back pain over the last few years that I've been able to manage at times and not at other times. And we, we were having a discussion about this a while ago and you say, what sort of movements hurt? And I say, well, deadlifts hurt. Like I don't, I hadn't been going to the gym for quite a while, but I remember when I was going and now that I've started again, the deadlift movement, if I was to do that movement, I'm pretty much guarantee the next day I'm really sore. Sometimes midway through the exercise, it just comes on. And that was the triggering movement for me. And in that sort of self-exploration, and this is what we can do with our patients too, kind of I realised that, well, I do the deadlift movement a thousand times a day when I pick up something off the floor, bend down and pat the dog. It's not the movement, it's the problem. It was, I was sensitised to that movement in that setting and the load was the, probably the issue. I'm not bending over to pick up a 50 kilo dog, but I might bend over to pick up a 50 kilo barbell or something, for example. So my own approach to that was, well, let's go to the gym and let's do some very, very light, very light deadlifts, just the bar, Let's add some really light weights and just progressively each second or third time I go, I'll do that movement again. But at no point in the exercise do I want to get to the point where I'm really exerting myself or to the point where I get pain. And then with the success of that repeated over time, I can add a little bit more load, a little bit more load. And just yesterday I was in there and I was adding quite a lot more load, but again, not pushing to the point of pain because I want to trigger again that painful experience, not just for the physical reason, but for the psychological reason. You know, we've, we've talked before in other discussions around how people get sensitized they develop these kind of we call neuro tags where certain movements situations environments activities feelings thoughts smells anything can trigger you back into a pain cycle and so avoiding that pain experience making sure that you're successful positive and you have a good experience doing something and then gradually just add more and more over time never really exploring the red line on the taco but just kind of staying that comfortable rev range and you'll find that that red line gets moved further and further away and I think that's that's the trick. Um, and the challenge we have as manual therapists working physically with bodies is that all of the modalities that we do, well, none of them, another way to say it, pretty much none of the modalities that we use in clinical practice facilitate greater tissue capacity. But our job is to put them in positions where they can challenge the tissue capacity. Our job is to give them the ability to get to that point, to give them um, green lights so they can just kind of keep moving forward and feel confident and safe and their tissue feels healthy and well and they feel ready to do things so that they can challenge themselves in greater ways. And I think that that's 
the greatest limiting factor of a really good manual therapist is that they never steer their practice, steer their patient towards that kind of activity. They want to keep them wrapped up in bubble wrap and say, let me treat you. Let me be the solution to your problem. And then the patient goes back out into the real world, goes to bend over and pick up some of the tissues no better than it was. They feel better in the moment, but it's, it's capacity hasn't increased. Yeah. Yeah. I really like those points. Um, you know, and you've got to think about it as these small steps Nowadays, nowadays in society, we all want the quick fixes. We want something to, to fix it straight away without putting in the work. And I think that's such a challenge when we look at exercise compliance and engagement is, you know, that these things do take time. It will take um, some commitment um, and, and a little bit of, of dedication. You don't need to be in the gym every single day of the week. And there's different ways that we can exercise, but it is small steps and it does need to be progressive um you know and it's really working to to sort of push um push us to that point where we can reach our limits to to stimulate a, a, an overload response so that's mm. progressive overload which stimulates what's called super compensation so body compensates by being that little bit stronger and if we think about this from a physiological point of view when you've got a tissue that's deconditioned you're going to have less motor input through that area so when you go to the gym you think about you've got a minimum you know four to six week um, period where you're gonna you're gonna need to be consistent to get some good changes because we can see significant strength gains in that period due to increased um, motor input to that area not necessarily muscle size but we right. get more motor input which increases the strength of that tissue mm. all right when we get the, the strength there then we can start to look at increasing the frequency of, of exercise increasing the the amount of load placed on that tissue so it is quite a a, a long period thing it's not that you just need to to do these exercises for the next two weeks and you'll be good to go um and i really like that point there about you know yeah a lot of manual therapy we're not increasing that tissue capacity we're reducing those inhibitions to exercise we're improving uh, mobility where we're decreasing the the pain in that area to allow the loading of that tissue yeah that's right and it's, you've got to put those two things hand in hand right we can't just have this this manual therapy approach to reducing pain improving um, uh, facilitation of exercise and activity without then giving the body a chance to go and do it it's like building a, a v8 engine in a race car but never taking it for a drive like revving it in the in the in the shop and just having it running and go well it looks amazing it feels great to drop feels great to sit in but never actually taking it for a spin we've got to take the body out we've got to load it up we've got to give it a chance to develop and and adapt to different scenarios um, and i think that's um, a good message for anyone listening to this is if you're a, a health practitioner dealing with that musculoskeletal neuromusculoskeletal type pain really work towards getting the patient in a situation where they're going to be challenged because what's the point otherwise, right? We can take their pain away, but we've got to give them a chance to use that ability. Yeah, challenging is key. And I, I want to sort of go back to what you mentioned before about the, the posture and your, your back pain. You know, if we're saying that, well, if that movement hurts, then don't do that movement or don't sit that way. You need to sit like this because we don't want to make that pain worse. Well, we actually do want them to do that movement. We want to get them to that. You know, someone's got pain bending forward, um, we want to get them bending forward. We need that, that should be our goal. And we just need a strategy 
to, to load that tissue in a way that progressively gets them to that point. Mm. I want to reach up overhead or hang the clothes on the line. Well, we don't say that don't reach overhead. Let's get you more comfortable with that movement. Let's, let's strengthen that tissue. Let's strengthen that movement. Let's improve your confidence with that movement um, so that, you know, that, that um, all of those tissues start to, to improve their strength. So, mm. um, yeah, and, and, you know, challenging different positions. So if we told someone that you've got to sit up in this posture all day, well, yeah, it's fatiguing and that will probably, that could potentially lead to a, a little bit of overload and, and soreness early on, but it's about adapting positions, allowing them to sit in, in multiple positions because, our body should be able to respond to various different positions. We should be able to, to bend down and rotate and, and, and pick something up. Um, you know, I think the whole narrative around this perfect posture and perfect lifting techniques is sort of being pushed aside. When you think of your OHS training, don't lift anything above five kilos, you know, make sure you've got a straight back when you, you bend. We should be able to, to move in various different positions. And I think it's important to encourage the, the variation. Um, yeah. It'd be like anything. If we do one thing for too long, yeah, potentially that that could lead to some some overload. But if we do multiple things in different positions, you know, where we're strengthening ourselves, ourselves, we're making the patient more resilient um, in, in different positions. That's right. And for anyone who's listening to this and thinks, well that doesn't necessarily hold true for someone who's in a gym and trying to squat with, you know, hundreds of kilos on their shoulders. Well, okay. If you can't, if you, if, if you're playing at the very extreme ends of any example, there's going to be exceptions to that rule. Like if someone's trying to lift as heavy as possible in a gym, then yeah, it makes sense to put the spine in a more optimal position to have the hips and knees in a more optimal position as the feet and so on. You can, some people will be able to get away with blurring that, that that perfect line a little bit more than others because they've developed tissue capacity for it but for the person who's just building up quite quickly in their load if you want to really load somebody's body up for any purpose not just in the gym setting then ideal postural positioning makes sense in that early stage especially or if you're at an olympic weight level olympic weightlifting level you know highest world world level whatever then you yeah, absolutely hundreds of kilos on your body perfect spine position, perfect squat position, all that technique is stuff is important. But for day-to-day activities, like your examples of posture, how you sit in the chair, how you sit at a computer, how you drive a car, how you stand at the kitchen bench, whatever it might be, then we need to be more adaptable. You know, if you um, just try to do everything two-dimensionally or, you know, in a perfect ideal way, then you don't really develop the, the, the breadth of capacity that you want to get for normal everyday function. Yeah, and look, I, I know that I used to be very, you know, you've got to sit in a certain posture, but, you know, I think that adds more fear and more threat to the patient as well. You know, if, if they're feeling a little bit of tightness or pain or whatever it may be when they're sitting, just say, just move, just find a different position, slump for a while. Yeah. You know, bend forward, sit in sit in the, the worst posture that you, you can find. If you have to, sit off to the side, whatever it may be, change your position. Um you know, it'd be no different to say um, if you were walking all day or running all day, well, yeah, you're probably going to get sore from, from doing too much of that. So it's just about changing that activity, changing that position, changing that movement. Mm. Um, I think I think that's, that's um, really important. 
Yeah. And look, you mentioned right at the start, every tissue has the ability to change its capacity with load. And, you know, we, we can see that absolutely in, in muscles and we see that muscles develop greater motor unit of act, unit activation. So we can see a very rapid increase in strength within a couple of sessions in some cases. Um, we, we now know that tendon loading is the best way to manage both pain and, and injury or dysfunction of tendons. The, the tendon loading protocols that we saw come out a number of years ago are brilliant. You know, it's the best way to do it. Um, ligaments respond to stress. You know, the more... Uh, axial loading, com compression and, and stretch and stress forces you can get across ligaments, the greater they and, and more dense they become so that, you know, you're stronger. Um, in the same way that if you load ligaments, you develop proprioceptivity. So you're developing the activation of those mechanoreceptors that sense where you are and can help you can control movement. So it's not just about making tissue stronger. It's that neurological part as well that helps those tissues be supported by other structures. Um, and then with the, the one we often forget about is bones. And we think, well, your bones are your bones. You know, what, what can you do to, to change that? They're massively impacted by stress and load. You know, axial compressive type loading through bones is the best way to strengthen your bones. It's why we get the oldies doing, you know, weight-bearing exercise because that combined with a good nutritional input is the, the cure for osteoporosis. It's the solution. And so, and it goes for us as well. You know, if you've got a, a child, prepubescent child, and you get them doing a lot of, physical impact type activities, running, jumping, that kind of thing. Not only do their bones develop strength much earlier, but their, their tendons develop the greater injury resistance. This has been shown in research that if you can get your kids active early, the chance of them getting um, tendon injuries later in life is dramatically reduced. So it's not just a tissue thing. It's a stage of life thing. We need to load tissues to develop capacity. And you, everyone will experience this at some point. They've been sick, unwell. They've had an injury. For whatever reason, they've been laid up on the couch you know, or in bed for a number of days. You get out of bed, not only are you stiff and sore, you just kind of feel weak, you know, and very quickly does your tissue capacity drop off when it stops being loaded. You sit in a car for a week on a long trip, you'll feel like you just don't have as much control and, and, and ability. So it's, we've got to keep pushing our bodies for that to change. And there's no amount of massage, there's no amount of dry needling or other manual therapy that will, that will so solve that problem for people. If they've got pain, those things are really useful. But as soon as they're out of pain, they should be starting to challenge their body. Yeah, some, some great points there. And, you know, yeah, all tissues are going to respond to load. You think about how you, you load a, a, a sprained ankle or a torn hamstring. It's exercise-based. Um, and, and I know many of you have probably heard this uh, example that I like to give around back pain and, and think of me thinking of that tissue as being unhealthy tissue because yeah it may be the muscle but it may be the connective tissue through there that fascia is highly innovated ligamentous structures the the annulus the, the disc is all all innovated um you know and and we think about pain it's it's sensed or it's detected by those sensory nociceptors right so if we've got an area that's we're not moving and it's being deconditioned, well, that the pH in that tissue can drop. Okay, so that can start to sensitize those nociceptors. We've got more uh, a limited amount of blood flow and oxygen supply and you know good nutrients into that area. So what's the best way to, to improve the health of the tissue mm -hmm. is to move it, to exercise it, to get more blood through that area. Uh, which can then strengthen it, which can uh, change the reporting back to the central nervous system, as you mentioned, with those proprioceptors. 
um, you know, that change in reporting to central nervous system can change the output and, and have a change in, in tone um, and, you know, that overall sensitization through the area. So I think, I think that's really, really important to consider as well. One, yeah, and that's I guess something probably could wrap up on, which is the, the fascial tissue, which often gets left out of this whole loading picture. We think it makes sense to load bones and muscles and tendons and ligaments, but this connective tissue, which is kind of it's omnipotent, it's everywhere in our body, right? Um, tip fascia organizes itself along lines of stress, and so the more variety in movement that we create, the more load that we put, uh, put through our body, the more that fascia will adapt to that. It will, it will adapt to support our, our musculoskeletal system in those functions. It's the, it's the links in the chain, right? The fascia is the stuff that makes everything else kind of work well. And so through all of that innovation, through all of that blood supply and in, through fascia's unique ability to adapt to stress, it creates the almost the infrastructure for everything else to sit in and work in effectively. Um, and so that's even more reason why variability in movement and load is so important. Oh, we've we've covered a fair bit there. Yeah. Anything else you want to throw in before we wrap it up? Nah, I think I think that'll do for now. <laughs> that'll do for now. All right. Very good. Thanks, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. Hope you took something away from it, and we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Cheers. Cheers.